begins with this gate drop. Hello everyone, welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast. I am Steve, Jesse is joining me. Today we are going to be talking some motocross of nations, but first, let's get to some spots. Thank you for tuning in to the Power to the Ground podcast. Check us out on Instagram where we share race highlights and we record this podcast on Instagram Live every Sunday morning. Also, visit our website www.powerthenumber2theground.com where you can check out some merch and don't forget to sign up for our email list for giveaways, news, and to get notified every time we upload a new podcast. All right, Motocross of Nations, two weeks from today as of this recorded recording, Sunday the 15th. Um, I'm pretty excited about it, man. This event's a lot of fun, and you know we haven't really talked about it much recently, but as we get closer, we should probably dive into it. But this is a really, really good event, even though we're in the USA and we're rooting for team usa we are in the usa and rooting for the team usa i think we have a really good team i think they're all the right riders for this particular event um again though we're having problems with the media there is a lack of information regarding all of this there's a lack of access to the riders um there's a lack of access to the event and it's hype in in total which um which is why we're kind of talking about this. We're, uh, we've spent a little bit of time. Um, as we get closer, we'll spend a lot more time kind of gathering all of the information for you guys and bringing it all into this one spot so that you don't have to do exactly what Steve and I are doing, which is scour, scouring every corner of the internet and trying to find every piece of information possible regarding this event. You know, a big part of the media coverage part of it, of the motocross nations, and, and we won't spend too much time on this, but I think it's important because this is a big event. It's an exciting event. It's a really, you know, World Cup hockey, World Cup soccer, any of these kind of like giant cup type world Olympics. sports, <laughs> Olympics are, are just, they're fun. They're exciting. It brings the world kind of together a little bit. And I mean, the Olympics are shoved down your throat every four years for the entire time, whether you're into curling or not, you have to hear about the U.S. curling team. So why is that not the case with motocross? Well, the media, once again, is letting this sport down. You know, all these other sports have this 24-hour news cycle. It's just constant, constant 24 hours. There's always something to consume on football. There's a there's the NFL network as well as ESPN. There's the NHL network. There's the MLB network. ESPN has a 24-hour news cycle. They got three channels. Like, it's just, it doesn't stop. You can always consume. And these people are professionals. What you're getting in this sport is not a 20, I mean, people who want to listen to what we have to say about motocross and nations after listening to this podcast now have to wait a whole nother week to hear us talk about another preview episode as opposed to being able to go to any other source and get the information that they need. And I think that's a major letdown for great events and the sport in general. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, this is all, uh, this is a big part of, for those of you who, who didn't listen to last week. Um, we did an episode on, uh, it was basically around video games, but the title of that episode is how the AMA is failing its fans part one. And that is part one of, I don't know how many parts it's a- <laughs> Well, I think the media would definitely be part two or yeah. at least one B 
Um, and that's, and we'll probably, again, we'll, we'll spend a whole episode on how they can fix the media. But the one thing I did want to point out was we were watching the interviews with Team USA, Jason Anderson, Justin Cooper, and uh, Zach Osborne. And within three questions, I was infuriated <laughs> because these questions are terrible. They're pointless. They're leading the writers to the answer they want as opposed to posing a question and letting the writers answer it's almost like they're scared that the writer isn't going to say something relevant or you know newsworthy, so they're trying to lead them. And it was just terrible. And when you listen to Jason Anderson, he actually – there was one question. He kind of said two words to answer it and then went off on his own thing. And I'm like, that's the answer. That's a great answer to a question that wasn't even asked. It should have been, but it wasn't. And so at least he kind of got it and kind of led the interview back into like a, a little bit of a better spot. But it was just – it was painful to watch because the media we do have in this sport, if that's the quality we're getting, no wonder people aren't consuming it. Right. And guys, when Steve says that he was angry, you should have seen him. The shade <laughs> of red of his face at that moment, he looked like he was getting a factory Honda ride. Well, th- like, <laughs> there's a reason that you and I got into you know, doing this podcast, and that's both of us have been around multimedia for most of our adult lives. Uh, through videography, um, I've done internship work with multiple radio stations, uh, both local and, um, y- you know, like the uh, AAF in Boston, syndicate, huge, yeah. you know, syndicate. Thank you. It's the word. Um, I routinely listen to sport talk radio in my car over music, and I'll switch back and forth, but I'm always listening to it. I'll have – there are times when I'd rather listen to the, the Patriots football games on the radio than – so I am – very much ingrained in the media and kind of journalism and have an understanding of its power and potential, how it should work, how it should not work, and what it looks like when it goes wrong. And that interview just stuck out like a sore thumb to me of how not to treat the media in your sport. It was it was they need better journalists asking better questions. They need more access to the writers and to more the more access. So, That's the biggest thing. So last last point I want to make on this is there's one, maybe two interviews about. I mean, how many interviews does Tom Brady do after after a football game? I mean, I, in between media games, day is Wednesday every single week. Then after practices, he's got you know reporters coming up and he's giving sound bites after every single practice, before every game, after every game. Uh, the next morning, it's it's ridiculous access, ridiculous amounts of access, and. Now the Patriots aren't the best example because they don't exactly give a lot of insight, but a lot of teams. Pete Carroll, right? sometimes maybe gives too much information but he gives you a lot of information this is why we did this and this is what we were thinking about going into this or going into this game you know we think we might change things up here a little bit i want to hear that from the writers they got into it a little bit in that one interview but it wasn't enough well you're going in a sand track you're going to get pounded by the europeans like you do every single year um what are you doing what's your strategy what's the thought process are you approaching the ride a little bit differently um what are some of the changes you're making to the bike not just changes to the bike because guess what people who are fans of the sport are fans of dirt bikes and riding, they can keep up, I promise. You don't have to worry about being like, well, if I start talking about suspension tweet, nope, we get it. We understand. Talk to us. Right. Yeah, and a, a lot of this is um, something we're going to tackle in another one. I know. I already yeah. said we weren't going down the rabbit hole, and we're going down it's the like rabbit hole. Competitive so nature. Let's, yeah, let's, table, let's table the media thing for now. Um, right, but I just think it was important because the Motocross and Nations as an event does deserve more coverage. And I think that's kind of the, the point we were trying to get at. We will get to media and its failing of the sport later. But yeah. if, if you guys are new, um, 
if you're new to motocross of nations um i just want to preface this and that is uh if you're from the u.s and you pay attention to motocross of nations uh you would know that for the past few years at least at least 10 years or close to 10 years team usa has been an absolute dumpster fire at motocross of nations and there's a lot of reasons behind that and maybe we'll get into that next I mean, week or something well, like that i i think we're talking about Team USA here for the first half. It might be good to get into why Team USA has struggled. All right. And Let's, how we think that might actually have a chance to change a little bit this year. Right. Let's, uh, yeah, so so some of the reasons why they are, um, they're not competitive in motocross of nations in the U.S. is simply because the, the focus in the U.S. is not on motocross. You know, a lot of these riders, they split their time well, I'm sorry, like 99% of these riders split their time between motocross and supercross. And most of that focus goes to supercross. Motocross, Which is the more popular sport in the yeah. United States. And there's more money. There's more money behind it for the riders. You know, if they want to make a living, they have to focus on supercross. That's just a fact of the matter. And motocross is just something that they do to keep themselves warm on the supercross offseason. A little bit of extra cash on the side too, you yeah. know, and that's... And that, regardless of your personal feelings on which is better supercross and motocross because i think lots of people feel differently about it supercross is the larger more popular sport so the brands and the sponsors they push supercross over motocross the coverage and the networks push supercross over motocross which means the riders have to push supercross over motocross right and in europe it's mxgp is all outdoors so those riders their entire careers year round while they're training is outdoors right yeah they might uh, every once in a while one of them may throw in you know uh, a crazy enduro race or or you know and do some enduro but i think, cross, in, but for I the think most an enduro part, race probably trains a rider better for motocross than it would for <laughs> supercross does that, it not absolutely yeah that's that's true i mean they're they're very very different but yeah it's i'm at the very least, you're getting your cardio crazy. Good. So there's so many things that these European riders do. Their focus is on MXGP, which is a phenomenally awesome sport, by the way. I mean, I know a lot of U.S. people don't watch MXGP as much. I would as like much. to more. I Going forward, I'm going to start paying more attention to the MXGP. As am I. And one of the reasons is I have, I have to bring this up because we kind of talked about it. Uh, Jeffrey Hurlings. Right, uh, it's a rider I know from the MXGP games actually, and then I kind of looked it up and saw some. He's a phenomenal rider over in Europe, and I'm like, oh, I wonder how he would do in the U.S. Well, we got that answer a couple of years ago, <laughs> um, and if you remember, it was like I think the last two races or two of the last three races of the season, he came over, raced outdoors, and crushed everyone. Yeah, like just owned everyone, and it was like, how? Now, would he do that on a supercross track? Unlikely, right. highly unlikely. Completely but on those sports. outdoor motocross tracks. He wrecked everybody. And now you're going to take these riders from the U.S. and put them out against these European riders like Jeffrey Hurlings who do this year-round. And I think that's a huge reason the U.S. has struggled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in years past, though, uh, I've the on, uh, with the sport in general and motocross, I do have a big problem with, with the way that they, they handle themselves. Is uh, They don't put enough um, focus behind the team aspect of it. Uh and there's a lot of, if, if not anything else, but just the information that they can share between riders that can help give them a, a competitive edge. And that is one thing that I think this year's Team USA is doing right 
that they have not done in years past they haven't even been under the same tent in the pit they've had completely separate tents they don't train together they don't they don't even see each other prior which to, is a ridiculous with the, with concept the right with the exception of press conferences they don't even see each other it's a ridiculous concept for a team event when you're representing your country right. like can you imagine the dream team and team usa in basketball like all all of their starters just they have their own locker rooms and they don't <laughs> practice together they just go out and shoot around at separate time like that is absurd, absurd. to me it is i know i know the sport is considered more of an individual sport because you're you and your bike but the event is a team event right and that's uh, that's something that for for years now all of the other countries have really understood, um, but they're doing it right this year. Um, they have they have team captain uh, Zach Osborne um, behind him. They've got Jason Anderson. I thought Jason Anderson was nope. Zach Osborne's team captain. Jason oh, right. Anderson. Interesting. Jason Anderson just kind of has the reins behind everything because he's got the media component behind. Sure. Him. I think that's probably where that perception comes from. Yeah. I mean, Zach Osborne is the oldest rider. He is the oldest <laughs> rider, despite being, you know, uh, you know newer new, to the four fifty on the four fifty. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but the uh, and Justin Cooper, obviously, in the two fifties. I think on a lot of different levels, these are the three right riders for this. Um, for one, we have Zach Osborne, who. Um, despite being new on the 450s, is an incre- he has an incredible work ethic. He's going to put everything that he has behind this, and he's going to make sure that his guys are putting everything that they can behind this in order to make this a successful team. And um, so I think from a leadership perspective, I think they got the right guy in Zach Osborne. Um, Jason Anderson... He brings a component to this where he's an aggressive rider and he does well on um, rougher tracks, which I think is going to translate well to the sand tracks. And then you have uh, Justin Cooper on the 250s. And at the end of the day, what other bike than the Yamaha, um, the 250F going out there? And competing on the 250 class, like that's the best. That's the best bike that you have, and he's the best American rider riding the best 250 bike. So, I agree with most of what you just said. I think Zach Osborne is a very good choice to lead the team. Um, I think that Justin Cooper on the Yamaha 250 is. I mean, who else would you take out of those 250s that could actually ride? Minus maybe Cianciarulo, who can't ride because Kawasaki won't let him. Right. Um, my question comes with Jason Anderson because if you look at what his past couple years have been uh, professionally from winning the Supercross Championship, like that's it. That's the the number one big thing to um, just a series of injuries and, you know, struggling to come back this outdoor season. He just really was not himself. He started to shine a little bit towards the end of the season. Right. And I think you could look at him in this event one of two ways. You can... I think he can either look at it as um, an opportunity to continue building momentum into the offseason and the Supercross season, or he can look at it as one last thing he's got to just get out of the way before he goes into the offseason and starts preparing for Supercross. And I think if that's the case, I, I don't know. He has a very he had a very nonchalant kind of um, way about him, I think, 
during some of the interviews and and maybe I know that's just part of his personality, that is his personality yeah. but there I, I guess my worry is that he doesn't take this as seriously as we would hope him to. I don't I don't think that's the case. It's, I mean even when he was the front runner in Supercross, he still he is Eeyore on a dirt bike. <laughs> that's just his personality. No, and you're absolutely right and that could definitely be the case. That's, I guess I just <laughs> When we were watching the press conferences, I was joking with Steve. I was like, you know, how much weed do you think Jason Anderson smoked before he went at this press conference? And Justin Cooper sitting in the middle just staring just off into space going, do you think Jason Anderson shared it with him? Like, <laughs> like hey, Coop, come over here. Yeah, right here, kid. we got to break you in. Um, and no, and, and that's just maybe just a, a, an irrational fear, but I just don't know that looking at where his career is, and I mean, the dude's going to want to come back at the top of his game in Supercross because, again, that is where the money is for him. And after having missed last year, he's going to want to compete again. And I wonder, you know, they even said it in the interviews, like Motocross Nations extends the rider season another month. Yeah. Um, is that taking a toll on Jason Anderson or is that helping him to get back into it? And I think that is where kind of my worry is with him. And I don't know how that's going to affect them on the track in two weeks. Yeah, the the press conference. I, I now that you say that, um, the press conference that they had when he was talking about um, how he was preparing, uh, he did have a little bit of a uh, "I'm gonna go get messed up." Yeah. Oh, so that was the other. Yeah. I had to laugh because he's like, "I'm taking my boys. We're going out a month <laughs> early, and we're we're gonna we're gonna have a good time." Yeah. And what you really heard from him there was, "We are gonna get messed." Because we're going to Europe and hanging out, he doesn't care as much care as much about winning, because nobody expects them to. Right. Um. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But when you say that, you know, you really this is a perfect kind of Team USA for this year. I just don't know that I agree, but I also don't know who else I would put in there. Right. So, from a fan perspective, I think the intangible that Jason Anderson also brings um, is uh, he brings access that the media is not right so he uh jason for those of you who don't know jason anderson has an entourage of people around him that are that are very good at um really just the media aspect of of an athlete so um for the for the next couple of weeks if you guys are looking for some uh some videos to watch or anything about motocross of nations i totally recommend going on to youtube and looking up team fried as in fried chicken. Um, or I'm fried off my ass or right I'm now. Fried off my ass, yeah. So that is um, uh, Jason Anderson's, um, th- that's his guy. That's his, his guy who makes videos. And he's just, he's following this team around. He's making videos and he's putting them up on YouTube. So if you're not aware of that, go ahead, go check that out. Um, it's, At least there's some, you know, consistent consumption of the sport. Right. <laughs> so... So that that's an intangible that I think Jason Anderson brings to it, other than the fact that um, I think I do think that Jason Anderson overall is probably the third best rider in the 450 class, um, especially edging, outdoor. Especially outdoor, um, edging out uh, Moosekin. I think Moosekin is number four. Moosekin would probably also ride for Team France if he ran. Yeah. Did he ride? Has he ridden for Team USA? I think no. he went for he rode for Team France last time he's he was in it, right? Team, he's ridden um, for Team France and he did well. Uh, actually, I think he rode for Team France last year in Redbud. I um, mean, I guess that would make sense. I third best. So you're saying maybe Tomac Ro- Roxon? 
Tomac, Roxon, Anderson, yeah. And Roxon obviously wouldn't ride for Team USA. So I guess the you know the only other choice would have been Tomac had Kawasaki let him him ride. And listen, say what you want, but in an outdoor race when you need it, I will still take Tomac. And maybe the team aspect of it isn't as there, right? Uh, with Tomac because you don't have the two Husky riders um, in that case, but. I don't know if I were a betting man, I'd put I'd be willing to put more money down on Team USA's performance with it being Tomac Cooper and Osborne than yeah. and Anderson. But you're right, maybe the team dynamic aspect of it does give them a different kind of right. advantage. Now, and, and I also completely understand where Tomac is coming from with this one. I mean, dude, that was a Kawasaki decision. It, oh, I'm I'm sure Tomac had something to do with this. Think about this: what what does Tomac have to prove left in his career? Supercross. Supercross. We're going into the Supercross season. He's going to take every ticking moment. <laughs> I think that that was Kawasaki's thought process as well. Probably. But when they, I mean, at least publicly, Tomac and Cianci Rulo both expressed interest in riding for motocross and Asians. Right. Kawasaki was the one that put the nicks on that and said no. And I think it's because we need to get ourselves back on the championship right. you know, pedestal. And getting Tomac ready for Supercross is probably the best way to do that instead of pilling around in motocross and nations this is kind of their thought process but he had did express interest and i don't know i think tomac's a momentum rider absolutely yeah and, and tomac is definitely a, a momentum rider and so give him a, a solid performance in a motocross and nations for, for team usa that, that could do him more good it could harm. but, but they the opposite of that is he goes out there and just like every other american rider just absolutely gets his ass kicked and then he throws himself on a completely different trajectory. I mean, fair. That's a, it's absolutely cross. a fair, fair, fair point. So, I mean, let's be realistic. What do you think Team USA's chances are this year? Are they better than they have been in years past? I think they are better than they have been in years past. Um, do I think? Do I think as a team that they're going to be top three? No, no, I don't. No, I, I don't. I, I don't think. I don't see how you can make that case. Um, with Anderson still being a question mark as far as just where he is. Right. Um, Zach Arsborn has is unproven on a 450, and I mean, I think Justin Cooper's great, but how is he going to compete against these other 250 riders from Europe? That's something we haven't seen yet. And now maybe it turns out he's phenomenal and he freaking runs away with it. It's, it's a possibility, I guess, but um, I, I wouldn't necessarily put money on it. So I think I'm with you there. I, I don't necessarily have high hopes. Or expectations. I'm sorry. I don't have high expectations for Team USA, although I do hope that they, they kind of show us something maybe they haven't shown us in years past for this event. So speaking of other teams, we are going to talk, you know, not a lot of people know some of these other riders. Well, we mentioned a couple of them already, but we're definitely, we're going to start talking about um, some of the other teams and we'll get into teams versus countries. But uh, first, we're going to take a quick break. All right. And we're back. So let's start talking about some of the other um, countries, first of all, involved in teams because it's a motocross of nations. And while we are USA based, we still want to take a look at some of the competition. And especially for people who don't necessarily know some of these these writers and these names, actually myself being one of them. Um, but some interesting things have happened, especially with last year's winners in Team France. And, uh, you know, I think you had a little bit more um research done into this than, than I do. So kind of explain to what, what went on with, with Red Bull and Team France. All right. So uh, first of all, Team France Team France is probably a favorite going into this year, uh, regardless of Hurling's riding. Um, well, just Hurling's riding for the Netherlands. I know. I know. So that, you know, Hurling's is riding for the Netherlands. So I would say that Hurling's is probably... 
Oh, gotcha. I'm sorry. Writer. I misunderstood. I misunderstood what you were saying. No, I'm saying the the team as a whole is uh, probably still France. France is, is probably yeah. France is a favorite, and obviously they're listed as number one on this list here. Um, so for the past couple of years, there's been one reason or another why the top France riders haven't been able to ride in in motocross of nations, and regardless of what choice they put up there, they they just do really well for whatever reason. So, um, this year, what has taken place <laughs> is, um, ah, it's so crazy, so crazy. So, and I can't remember the name of the writer. Um, I think we saw his, his Instagram post where he was talking about it earlier. Uh, it's not on this page. It was a different one, but he, um, there was a dispute between Red Bull. Yes. The energy drink who is the um he the uh the sponsor of the Red Bull KTM team and the country of France and the dispute was that Red Bull wanted the France rider to wear a Red Bull hat and team France <laughs> wanted the rider to wear a France hat and there was a big dispute this is absurd by it the was way. a big big so big dispute to the point where the rider was like, you know, I'm not even going to deal with this. <laughs> He's like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Not even going to talk about this. It's not coming up. But so, this is such a ridiculous story, and, and I don't know how much it affects. Like you said, Team France is probably still the favorite, right? But this is. Oh, I'm going to do it again, and I'm sorry, but this is another thing that is so messed up and backwards about this sport is how much power and control the sponsors have over the sport itself. Right. And, you know, versus just support it, get your advertising out of it. Right. Get your hands out of it. Right. Instead, it's they're they're running the sport. And because they're running the sport, their only thought process is profit on their end, maximum amount of advertising revenue. They are going to fight Team France, France, the country, France, (laughs) the country. Versus Red Bull over what hat they're going to wear. And it, they come to an impasse because the hat is advertising. Right. So that's advertising dollars for them spent. As opposed to just, dude, just sponsor the rider. Let him wear Team France because he's representing Team France. And on the other side for France, it's like, dude, he's representing Team France. What's the big deal if he's wearing – so for both sides, they're they're definitely being a little stubborn here. But my, my overall point being that the, if we could just – Reel in how much control the sponsors themselves have over the sport itself. Right. Just pay the sport to advertise so they have funding to keep the sport going right. and then get your hands out of it. Yeah, that's uh, – again, that's organizational. That's the sport. The sport is, is – that part th- Is that part three? Yeah, that's that, I think be. that's part three, right? Yeah, that, know. that's part three. It's the, the, the organization is so disorganized that um, – they can't reel in the because at the end of the day, the sponsors are the ones footing the bill for this whole thing Correct. to happen. And not only just this event, every event, it's either monster. It's not the AMA. the The AMAs are maybe you know they may be the ones uh, organizing it, and I say that with you know big air quotes, big big air big, quotes. Big air quotes. Um, but at the end of the day, every single event that you watch is the bill is footed by the sponsors it's so, not the it's not the ama so, so there has to be but there has to be some sort of balance there, there right? you have to find some sort of balance to where what's best for the sport 
is also best for the sponsors and not just what's best for the sponsors. Right. And it's it sport be damned. And it, and it's not like this answer it hasn't already been answered elsewhere with every other every other major, major sport, sport in the world country. Right. The the sponsors the sponsors that want to sponsor the sport pay into the organization and then the organization runs everything. That's how this works. This is the, the op- NFL makes its adver- its money off of advertising. It's not as much ticket sales. Yeah, the owners get their ticket sale revenue, but the NFL as a league and the owners all get their revenue from advertising dollars. Right. That is why you see so many ads during a game. The more they put in, the more money they can charge. Super Bowl ads run for millions of dollars per 30 second, 15 second spot, whatever it is. And that's where their money comes from. But you don't see Bud Light stepping in and saying, mm, no, this team has to now wear a Bud Light sponsor on their instead on their team of, uniform. Instead of the Cowboy logo. Instead of the Cowboy logo, you have to ha- now have a Budweiser logo. Like, you don't see that. Why? Because the NFL is like, no, we run our sport how we see fit. You want advertising? You want to get your brand out there and help us foot the bill for it? Let's make a deal. And, and so there's the difference. The organization is powerful in the NFL. It is powerless in motocross. Yeah, absolutely. God, I did it again, and I'm sorry. It is very relevant, though, because I think um, that's a perfect— the Red Bull versus Team France, or versus France, is a perfect example of that. Um, and it's going to affect France. It's affecting Team France in this motocross of nations because of just organizational stubbornness right. and complete inability to to properly run things. So, and if, um, if you guys are listening to this and you hear us keep coming back to these problems with with the organization and the media, listen. If you have a problem with that, if you like the way that they're that they're doing all this, you're probably in the wrong place. You're probably yeah. listening to the wrong podcast. No, because Steve and I have. Like we said, we've been we've been paying attention to the sport for a very long time, and we've also have have our professional backgrounds, and we also have a, a long a long history of watching other sports and being able to see where they're successful and where this sport is not successful, and um, because of all of those things, we are both very principled individuals. So we're going to see all of this through a particular lens and it's going to keep coming Look, back as a theme. But and the reason and the other reason and I'm not even ashamed of it like this is coming from a place of love for this sport, right? right? We're not we're not just some random ass critics, ah fuck that sport, you know. I, I, that's not where I'm coming from. I don't watch NASCAR, so I have zero interest in how NASCAR runs itself as a sport. I'm not going to criticize it, but I'm also not going to praise it because I don't watch it. I love this sport. I want to see this sport grow. I want to see the best riders in the world coming to the United States and not staying in Europe to come race so that we can watch them here and we can go to these events and we can have awesome, exciting races every week, week in and week out, every exciting championship seasons, week in and week out. And when you love something and you're seeing it being stifled and held back, by poor decision making at an organizational level, it is not only um, in you and the sport's best interest for you to say something. It's almost an obligation because you, how much you love that sport. Yeah. So that's that's where that comes from. I want to see this sport grow. You want to see this sport grow. And when we see ridiculous things and ridiculous decisions being made, then we it's our obligation as fans of the sport to point those things out. Same thing when a team that you're a fan of makes a really really dumb roster move or something like that you want to see the team do well and if 
If you think that that roster move is dumb, it's your obligation to say something about it. A little bit different. You probably don't know all the things that go into, you know, but you get the, the idea is the same. These criticisms, criticisms come from a place of love. And you're right. If you think that we're wrong in criticizing them, you are probably listening to the yeah. wrong podcast. And if you think that we're right, uh, I would highly suggest that you jump over to power, the number two, the ground.com. And, and, uh, you know, we have some stuff over there for you to, uh, help support our cause um if you feel like we we're on track and as far as where where our hearts are and uh trying to do our part with this sport but so yeah listen <laughs> i we did we got off clock a little bit here and that's okay because we still have a whole nother podcast next week to really dive into the actual meat and potatoes of mxon i think this is a really good primer talked a little bit about team usa um we do have some you know so <laughs> <laughs> go to video. go to oh well i'm actually i'm gonna put okay. that up on our website so, so so go to our website we'll have the link up there by the time this is up the hype video for team um for the netherlands was so freaking awful and awesome at the same at the time. same time it was like it was cringy but in all of the best ways like i we were laughing our asses off watching this first of all these teams are doing hype videos and they were being supported by like their troops and they you know they're kind of local people so for for them in that country that was probably really 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 awesome it was so cringy watching it from from but it was so awesome (laughs) and i wish i wish that we i wish our country would have done something like that too i wish all but that's i guess what what am i saying that's my point right all of these countries should be doing this thing because it's gonna only help build up the sport and then maybe even start throwing a little bit of trash talking back and forth you know what i mean like it just makes make it fun make it interesting for the people and the fans to watch because I know Jeffrey Hurley, like this, the, the criticisms, like the, 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 um, <laughs> at the beginning, yeah. yeah, the self-referential criticisms, these guys knew what they were walking into and they were totally okay with like, just having these kind of like shots thrown at them a little right. bit and, oh, it was great. It was awful and great. And then yeah. the music and the freaking go watch the video. The link is going to be on our website. Hurling, so you're done with all the injuries. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it just, it, it, it was so good. It was so good. I, I didn't even understand how it was necessarily a hype video. I, I don't I don't understand any of it and why, but I'm glad that it exists. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I'll, I'll have that right up on our homepage. Um, so, again, it's uh, power2theground.com. And, uh, yeah, it'll be right there up on the homepage, right there front and center because it is amazing um and, and i really hope so i mean maybe anderson's team is probably throwing together some cool hype videos so um you know i'm sure they're they are doing it but it's not a country-wide thing you know right. it's, it's more just anderson and his guys doing it and uh you know maybe i'll go check some of those out but um i think you know between france probably still being the favorite hurlings and the netherlands are always just going to be you know jeffrey hurlings is just a name that if you're in the sport, you know. It's one of the fastest riders on the planet, so that's always going to give them a leg up. They ride outdoor all season long, so as great as Jason Anderson is, we'll see. We're going to see. I mean, we're still going to watch it. It's still going to be fun. Um, so, and I think so. I think that's probably going to do it yep. for, for today. Um, we promise I will make a um, promise to you now that I will – 
stay on track next week. We are going to talk strictly motocross of nations, previews, riders. We'll talk the track. It's a sand track in Assen. We're going to get into all of that next week. I absolutely promise you I'll stop. I'll reel back in the criticisms just a little <laughs> bit for one week, for one week, two, because then we're going to have to review the motocross of nations, which is going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we are going to get into it, but I, you know, things need to be needed to be said and go team USA. Uh, Jesse, you got anything else for these guys? Um, no, I'm looking forward to Motocross of Nations. We've got a few events going on right after that, so you know we're we're rolling here. I know it's off season, and um, like Steve said, we're gonna have a couple of episodes here and there. Where we're talking about uh, our our organizational criticisms, but there is no shortage of events in this off season. So yeah, please stick with us, and uh, and we'll get through this off season, and we will get back to Supercross where we can actually start talking about uh, races. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, and again, we still after Motocross and Nation still got the Red Bull uh, Straight Rhythm. Yep. Um, and the Monster Energy Cup is is coming up, which we all know the riders are so excited about. I racing know with in. like two two way. Uh, uh, two-way track yeah we'll see how that goes there I, I said it before they're doing all making all the wrong changes to get right to gather interest for the sport so um yeah i got nothing else so previews team previews rider previews we'll freaking jesse and i are going to dive into some stuff uh in the next week and we're going to bring you some really for for those of you who are like us that don't know as much about the european riders we're going to bring some of that to you next week give you a really good preview of what to expect from motocross and nations and uh we're going to dive into that yep Thanks for listening, guys. As always, Jesse, I will talk to you next week, bud. I will see you next week, Steve. And I will see you all next week as well. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Have a great week.